Hey guys. Hey guys. Oh for fuck's sake. What? Guys, wait. It's fucking Dave in again. I used to have all my fucking drug supply. He still won't fucking talk, mate. Jesus it's Christ on the fuck stick. Hello, hey guys. What are you going to do then? Dr. Clemens the gunt. He hasn't responded to any fucking ransom knots either. Shit on a fucking tampon. Man, that's not fucking good. Hey guys, come on, you know, like, we could just... Shut, Shut up! up. Davian, we're not going to let you out for ten minutes just so you can get some munchies and fucking gin. What about just gin? Hmm? Just gin? Seriously? You will come back, won't you? Yeah, 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 I'll come back. We could do with some more fucking skins and a giant fucking bag of Doritos as well. What do you think? Go on then, fuck it. I'm fucking starving. Okay. Nice one. Um, I'll see you cocks later. Uh, uh, so, uh, guys, sorry, guys, not cocks. What guy? Oh, God, cocks, not cocks. He said cock. Oh, like penis or like bird? Fuck me, Boris. Uh, hello? Uh, <laughs> sorry, could you lend me some money, please? Um, I'm skinned. Fuck it. Shit up a nun's cunt. Fucking okay. Look. Here. Take this fucking money and fucking come back soon, alright? Yes. I'm fucking so hungry I could eat a horse. I believe some of us are in England. <laughs> oh, very fucking satirical, David. Ever thought of doing a fucking proper podcast, you cunt? Ever thought of being a proper terrorist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nyet, 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 nyet. Oh, nice one, mate. Cheeky fucker. Alright then, see you in a bit. Hey, see you soon, Mr. Davian. Haha, <laughs> fucking. No, you fucking filthy bastard. Eh. Uh, Davian's not coming back, is he? <sighs> no, Boris. No, he's fucking not coming back. Gunt! Davian? Angus? What the fuck are you doing here? Um, in fact, where is here anyway? Cairo, my friend. Just picked up a load of cheap horse meat to ship back to England. Don't you mean horse meat? As in, meat from a horse? No. Oh. So, hop in, mate. I'm driving back to the airport. Got to get back to good old Blighty and meet up with Tommy to record the podcast. What, do you mean the Royal and Doodle Show? Available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio? The very same, my friend. The very same. Yeah. Nice.
Hello. I'm back. Yes, hello and welcome to The Bitter Sound with me, your host, Davian Dent. All right. Wow. It's been a bit of an adventure. Had a bit of time off. Well, <laughs> I had a bit of a time off as, um, you know, if you listened to the last episode, I was rather rudely abducted by um, what actually turns out to be the worst fucking pair of terrorists I've, I've ever um, come across in my whole life. Really were a complete bunch of bellends. Oh, hang on. I didn't notice that before. There's a there's a button on my laptop I've not seen. I'm going to press it, aren't I? Uh, what else? Um, oh, yes. Um, I'm not a selfish guy. Um, and when there are others um, less fortunate than myself, then I do like to help out where I can. And uh, in this show in particular, we've, um, there's going to be a couple of charity spots uh, popping up here and there. So uh, do pay attention to those. Hi, my name is Ed Wallach. And you may know me from the podcast Don't Quit Your Daycast, available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Yes, thank you. I know it is great. But what you may not know is that there are a lot of other podcasts out there that aren't as damn awesome as mine. Many suffer from a lack of listeners, some suffer from a complete lack of comedy, and some just, well, some just lack. Take this poor sod, for example. Hi. I'm Colin, from some shitty unknown podcast recorded in my kitchen. Since 1980s English TV personality Jim Bowen was recently elected as the new Pope, I found my listeners turning to religion, hysteria and often paedophilia. But, with your help and generous donations, I hope to drug enough tramps and street whores to agree to give me good ratings on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So there you have it. We can help Colin and all the thousands of others like the poor wretch. We at Podcasts Recorded in Crappy Kitchens, or Prick for short, are working hard to raise funds for sad little cunt bubbles like Colin. And thanks to you, the listeners, we can supply Colin with much-needed funding so that he can keep his podcast running and also keep himself stocked up on Oxycontin and Rufinol. And let's make sure we keep our prick up. Thank you, and I do mean thank you. You have 937 messages, all of which are marked urgent. Hello, Davian. It's Dr. Norman Trousers calling. I've had the results back from your tests, and they do prove quite conclusively that you are a... Now, obviously, we will look into some therapies to try and uh, resolve the issues for you, but I do believe that it is actually incurable. Bye for now.
While watching television one day, I saw an advert that appealed to me very directly in my continuing search for more meaningful human contact. For only £4 a month, you can buy an African baby that doesn't eat very much. I could easily afford that. The company that was selling an African baby that doesn't eat very much was called Sam Fox. I think I recognise the name. There was a store with something approaching that name on my local street of shops. I would go there to buy my African baby that doesn't eat very much. I entered the shop. The shop owners had forgotten to put one of those things that go ding on the door, so I made the sound myself. Ding. The nice lady behind the counter looked up with a slightly puzzled look on her face. I disregarded this as of no importance whatsoever, and I said that I would like to purchase for £4 a month an African baby that doesn't eat very much. Her puzzled look continued. I felt a slight annoyance at her inability to understand. I can easily afford it, but can I have one that hasn't got them flies all over its face? I said. Her look of puzzlement turned to one of concern. She was clearly testing my suitability for ownership of an African baby that doesn't eat very much. I would stand my ground. I've seen the adverts, African baby, four pounds a month. Doesn't eat very much. The now shock-filled face of the annoying lady stammered something about having to go and speak to the manager and went into the secret back room that they all have in their shops. At that moment, the shop door opened. Ding! I made the sound myself as the shop owners had forgotten to put one of those things and go ding on the door. I turned and in walked an African lady with an African baby that doesn't eat very much with no flies all over its face in a small shopping trolley. Blimey, that's quick, I thought. The African lady ignored me and started rummaging around the racks of clothing. There was no sign of the shock-filled face of the annoying lady, so I put my four pounds on the counter and took the trolley towards the shop door and opened it. Ding! A couple of seconds passed before all hell broke loose. Shock-filled face lady and African lady pounced on me and wrestled the shopping trolley from me. I ran all the way home. Perhaps I should have purchased a neglected pensioner instead.
It's a very old bottle for original Bombay chutney ship brand. Trouble is, the ship in the bottle won't go. Hello, I'm Angus, and this is Davy Anori. This is my story about my trip to visit Mr. Davian Dent. I remember going to the Dent Cave and seeing Davian for the first time. He was staggering out of his bathroom with what looked like strawberry jam and cream on the front of his trousers. Well, Davian, as I like to call him, was very generous and proceeded to make a fresh pot of coffee for me. By fresh, I mean he put two half-finished cups of coffee in the microwave and warmed them up. And then, even though I insisted I did not take sugar, he poured the finest white sugar into my coffee out of a very convenient serving capsule. Well, what stories of mirth and frivolity I could share with you. Well, I would, if I could remember, because, well, you see, the next thing I know... I woke up in Davian's shed. Still, he was very generous once more because he had put right next to me a bottle of antiseptic, a thread and needle and some bandages. What more could a man ask for in that situation? I've never walked the same since. Anyway, join me next time for part two of Davian Ori. Good afternoon. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against our staunch friend, Great Britain. Australia, Germany and France, Canada, more than 40 countries in the Middle East, Africa, Europe and across Asia. These carefully targeted actions are designed to attack the Islamic faith.
I'm speaking to you today from the White House, a place where American presidents have become outlaws and murderers themselves. The United States of America sponsors the outlaws and killers of innocents, and we are the friends of those who aid terrorists. More than two weeks ago, I gave Taliban leaders a series of new recruits, caves, hiding places, and evil plans. To all the men and women in our military, so far from home, I gave a fourth grade girl. With more than 40 countries, this young girl knows the value of fucking. And now, every sailor, every soldier, every marine will come. The name of today's military operation is Enduring Fear. The name of today's military operation is Enduring Fear. By destroying camps and disrupting communications, we will make it more difficult for the starving and suffering men and women and children of Afghanistan. Peace and freedom will fail. May God continue to bless terrorists. I recently received a touching from my dad in the treaty room of the White House. As much as I don't want my dad to fight, I'm willing to give him my full clock in the face this is a precious gift what America is all about 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 Ding. Pardon? Ding. Uh, there's no need to do that, mate. I installed a thing that does that for you. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't hear it. Yeah, the batteries died last year. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Were you close? Um, can I help you? Sorry, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've come to claim my lottery winnings. I got all six numbers last night. Saw them. Six numbers on the telly last night. Congratulations, mate. We'll have to do some publicity shots for the shop. Come on, then. Let's see this here ticket. This is not a winning ticket. Ha <laughs> yes. Oh, I bet you do that with all the winners. <laughs> Come on, then, Chief. Where's the hidden camera? <sighs> Come on, let's see the money. <laughs> Show me the money. <sighs> look, see, look, those six numbers right there in that thing, yeah? The thing that goes around and around, they were all there. But did you see these six fucking numbers come out of the fucking thing that goes round and around? Well, okay, well, it's difficult to see some of them. I had to rewind and pause a few times, but they were there. They were all there on the telly last night. Get out of my fucking shop before this Mars bar goes up your fucking ass. Oi! What are you doing? I've just messed your Kit Kats. Right, come here. 
Bye. Fucking cunt. And now, this. Hi, I'm James Erection, and here's the latest celebrity gossip. Hugh Grant has been sacked from his latest film, Smug English Cunts in Tweed, after turning up on the set while allegedly under the influence of MDMA Rice Krispies. Other drug-based breakfast cereals are available. Grant was then reported to have run through the set screaming, It's like a fucking wax dart! Before repeatedly slamming his engorged penis in a fridge door while shouting, Feel something, you bastard! Seemingly at himself. Justin Bieber is back in the news, this time because of his up-and-coming charity boxing match with Mike Tyson. Sources close to Bieber say that he has put on a lot of muscle and is eager to fight that fucking has-been rapist thug. Tyson was not available for an interview, but did send this message from his newly opened gay bar in San Francisco. I'm gonna rip that little turgid cunt's head off and shit down his neck. That's it for celebrity news. I'm James Erection. You've all been fucking idiots. Now over to the sports desk. Now here's the results of the Champions League water hockey. Exeter 2, Maidstone 0. Cuban Smear 1, Mistletoe Spangle 4. Chelsea 0, Manchester Hilarious 0. Botulism Rapist 7, Mimsy Athletic 3. Fucking Lucky United 2, Slough Bum Boys 9. Shunter's City and Reading Vagina was postponed due to indifference. And next, it's Scraton painting at Chepstow. 
I woke up to a strange feeling. The voice in my head was clearer than usual. The voice said, Hello, this is God. What? I said. God then said, I don't like repeating myself, but in this instance I will make an exception. I am God. Okay, I said. Hello, you. The voice said, There is something you need to know. I have decided to end the human race. Shit, I said. Quite, said God. He continued. I have decided to erase all human life from this planet except for you and one other human of your choosing. You must choose carefully as the future of humankind depends on you. But why me, I asked. There are seven billion other people on this planet. God replied. Because you were the only one that really listens to me anymore. Pardon, I said. God was angry. Are you having a laugh? He grunted at me. I wasn't, and I told him so. No, it's okay, I heard you. I was just off with the fairies for a bit. God lets out a long sigh. Fairies? You do know that fairies don't really exist, don't you? To which my response was, that's a bit rich, coming from you. God was nonplussed, but replied, Yeah, whatever, now stop fucking me about. You've got 24 hours to find one other human to save. I wrecked my brains. There was nothing there. I'm going to need the internets for this, clearly. 23 hours, 59 minutes, and three boxes of tissues later, I'd arrived at a short list of two people. The first, Jeremy Clarkson. I thought he was quite funny and he can drive a car. And also, Prince Al-Walid bin Talal Al-Saud, who had once sent me an email regarding investment opportunities in Nigeria. The clock ticked round to the mark of the passing of 24 hours. There it was again, the voice in my head. Hello, this is God again. Yes? Have you made your decision? God said. I had. Well, kind of. God let out another long sigh. Go on then. Let me have it. I told God my short list of two people, 
and also my inability to choose between the two. God was silent for a long few seconds. Well, Prince Alwali bin Talal al-Sal doesn't actually exist. It would appear that you've chosen Jeremy Clarkson with him to procreate the human race with. Goodbye. I hadn't thought about this, had I? F- my fuck was rudely interrupted. There was a blinding flash of light and all fell silent. My vision cleared and I began to make out through the fog a figure standing before me. It was a very confused-looking Jeremy Clarkson. I passed out. I regained consciousness in the shower. (laughs) I laughed to myself. Oh, thank God it was just one of those weird dreams where you wake up in the shower, I idly said to myself. But in a booming voice, and standing next to me, I heard, And on that bombshell, pass the soup. I walked into the room, and there she was, laying on the threadbare mattress, idly picking at a scab on her knee. I stood there, my lank brown hair blowing in the cold London air from the high street through the open window. The smell of kebab and chips filled the air. I scratched my belly button, idly, and I smelled the end of my finger. It was pleasing to my nose, even though I knew it was seventeen-day-old sweat and cotton from the sweatshirt I'd been wearing for the past five. I had an erection. Four inches of pure love throbbed at a right angle from my crotch. Mm, Crotch. I love that word. It conjures up images and memories from long ago. That dusky evening when Kevin's auntie Sandra noshed me in the bus stop outside Rashid's newsagents. Her crotch was hidden underneath a gusset of thick nylon. Maria was on the bed. I'd known her for about half an hour when I met her in the White Lion. I bought her a Bacardi Breezer, just as last orders were called, and I think we both knew we were the dregs. And in dregs, romance can blossom and bloom like a cheap petrol station daffodil. I walked over and knelt on the mattress. It sighed like a teenager that had just been asked to take out the bins when he was playing Halo online in a deathmatch, and he was owning. She took my penis into her mouth pausing only to spit out the gum and take a drag on her Rothmans filtered. She said I could have ten up and ten down and then she wanted to receive. I got my twenty motions as she slobbered on my cock and she lay back, legs akimbo, the blood from the scab starting to coagulate halfway down her calf. It was like eating a pita bread full of fag ends. Her labia trailed down, clearly well used. She told me not to bother licking those because she'd lost all sensation. I concentrated on her clit and thrust an errant middle finger into her woo-woo. She made the required noises and I moved up and kissed her. 
she slapped me and told me she was in love with her Nigel and that no other bloke could kiss her. So I just buried my face in her monumental tits, flat with a lifetime of bad bras and even worse posture. I pushed my willy into her hoo-ha and slopped my salty semen over her appendix and caesarean scars after 15 thrusts and a mighty grunt that brought back the taste of the bacon and eggs I'd had for breakfast. She sighed and told me she'd finish herself off later. I wandered to the window and stretched, wiping my cock on the single curtain that hung off the rail. She wiped herself with yesterday's Daily Star, got dressed and left. I fell into bed and had a wank, and then I went to sleep. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick out handle? Real isn't how you were made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you. Then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. And we children, we children are born of sin. We are all children of God, but no, we are sinners. We are sinners. We must let the light and the warmth and the love of God, the eternal love of God, into our hearts. Oh, we will burn.
black dog roamed the hallways, picking all the locks, looking like a wanker. He's a fucking cock. He followed me at dinner, and he had a tale to tell about how everyone really hates me and about how I really smell. He told me I was shit in bed and that I was too fat, that I shouldn't bother waking up, that I was a complete twat. The fucker followed me to work as well. He made me cry quietly at my desk. He locked me in the toilet stalls and made me feel grotesque. I took a little white pill and I waited a little while. His face melted a bit and he lost his voice and I cracked a little smile. I drowned the cunt in whiskey, in lager and in cider, in Van Rouge and gin and tonic, and I smiled a little wider. I stabbed him in his stupid face and giggled while he screamed. I ripped his stupid cock off and I slept with pleasant dreams. The morning, it brought silence. I felt cheerful and well-to-do. I even sang a little song while I had my morning poo. I whistled all the way to work, dancing and doing splits. I chatted up the receptionist, the one with the massive tits. I sang the little song at lunch, but I sang a little slower. I saw a shadow at the door. I started stooping low. I lost my temper at the snack machine and I shouted at my friend. I saw the dog in the hallway. That fucker is back again. Of course. That's it, I exclaimed as I slapped my forehead with the palm of my hand. That's the solution to world poverty, hunger, war, and if I tweak it a little bit, a cure for cancer too. How ridiculously simple. I can't imagine why no one has ever thought of it before. Probably because it is so ridiculously simple. I slapped my forehead again just to emphasise the points to myself. I must tell someone. But who? I know. I'll tell that Cat Sorens fellow. He's a bit of a twat. He does co-host a very good podcast, and he could tell the world by brilliant yet forehead-slappingly simple solution to poverty, famine, war, and with a bit of tweaking, a cure for cancer. I grabbed my heavy jacket, woolly hat, etc., and dashed out the door, straight into a clipboard-wielding charity mugger. Oh, not now, I said. But you can make the difference to African babies' lives for just four pounds a month, said the chugger. I didn't have time for this. I had to get to cats to tell the world about my forehead slappingly simple solution to poverty, famine, war, and with a bit of tweaking, a cure for cancer. I took my wallet out of my jeans pocket and chucked it at the chugger as I dashed away. Everything you need is in there. Bank details, cash, the works. Bye. I hurried on my way. As I approached my local street of shops, a hooded figure appeared from out of a dark alleyway. It was a youth, and he was holding a spoon. Give me your money, the youth said, slightly threateningly. Or I'll hit you on the forehead with my spoon. He gestured with a spoon as if to underline the threat. Oh, for goodness sake, I muttered under my breath. I didn't have time for this. 
I had to get to cats to tell the world about my forehead slappingly simple solution to poverty, famine, war, and 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 something else. See that chugger over there? I said to the youth. He's got my wallet, bank details, cash, the works. Sod off. I hastened on my way. I came to the pedestrian crossing. There was a stooped old lady with a bag full of apples waiting to cross the road. Young man, said the stooped old lady with a bag full of apples. What the fuck? I began but stopped myself. This is someone's frail old grandmother who just needs a hand crossing the road. Would you like me to give you a hand? You are such a good boy, Peter. How's school today? I didn't have time for this. I had to get to cats to tell the world about my forehead slappingly simple solution. To poverty, famine and... and... uh, There were a couple of other things too. Hmm, never mind, they'll probably come back to me later as long as I don't get any more of these stupid interruptions. I quickened my step. Must get to cats. I knew that he lived in a shed in the forest, which he shared with several hundred squirrels, all called Gerald. I reached the park. A familiar face popped up from behind a flowering dogwood. Don't I know you? I asked. I don't think so, the familiar face replied. I'm not Tom Cruise, if that's what you're thinking. I didn't have time for this. I had to get to cats to tell the world about my forehead slappingly simple solution to poverty. Oh, fuck it. I'm losing it, I thought. I'm fucking losing it. I reached the exit to the park where I saw a small child crying. What's the matter, little fella? I asked. Birdman, sobbed the child. At this point, a couple of badly dressed community support officers, God bless them, turned up. They too asked the child, What's the matter? Birdman, replied the child. Several hours, phone calls, DNA tests, and the realisation that the child was in fact a local 40-year-old midget who did this kind of thing for shits and giggles, I arrived at Cat's shed. I knocked. I waited. I knocked again. Oh, fuck off, I'm not here. He wasn't in. Who now could I tell my forehead slappingly simple solution to... I slapped my forehead with the palm of my hand. Should have written it down. Hey-ho, I'll know for next time. I shrugged my shoulders and walked all the way home.